The Ark in the Darkness, Unearthing the Mysteries of Noah's Flood, comes to a theater near you on March 20th and 21st. What happened to the dinosaurs? Why did God send the flood? This film unveils compelling evidence in support of the Bible from a team of scientists from Answers in Genesis and Liberty University. The Ark in the Darkness reveals the truth about Noah's flood. This incredible film hits theaters on March 20th and 21st. Buy your tickets now at noahsflood.com. That's noahsflood.com. Access more. During today's conversation on Back Porch Theology, we're going to tackle all things theophany, which is a form of divine revelation where God's miraculous presence is made visible and recognizable to mere humans like us. Some of the most familiar theophanies in Holy Writ are the flaming topiary, through which God affirmed and called a stuttering Moses to lead Israel out of captivity, as well as the cloud by day and pillar of fire by night that accompanied the Israelites through the wilderness wanderings, which were heightened forms of natural phenomena through which became perceptible representations of God's presence with His people. However, we're going to focus on some really cool, less familiar theophanies today because there's loads of theological significance regarding the nature of our Trinitarian God to glean from biblical theophanies and Christophanies. Those are just theophanies which have a human form. But dang, y'all, they also have the capacity to spur our faith and fertilize some old school awe over the fact that our Creator Redeemer loves us so much that he condescends to make himself unmistakable to us. He won't let us miss him. So please grab a cup of coffee and your Bible, unless you're French braiding your show horse's tail, of course, and come hang out on the porch with Allie, Dr. Howard, and me. Well, hey, hey, back porchers. We are so thrilled that you're with us today. My name is Allison Allen, and I like to tease that I am the five foot 12 wing woman <laughs> to Lisa Harper for Back Porch Theology. And we just want to say we're so thrilled to have you with us. Yep. We hope that you're pulling up a proverbial rocker or a bench. You're hanging out with us, and we could not be more grateful for your presence here. We just love you. We had such a great time last week, and Lisa had an amazing idea to have somebody really special jump into the conversation today, not only because we're hopping into some really deep waters theologically, but because this person brings such beautiful facets of the gospel forth. You know him. You love him. He is for sure Backport Theology's favorite doctor in all the land. Dr. Howard, we're so excited that you're sitting in with us all We just decided long. we don't like yeah. only having you for 10 minutes. Yeah. So we this need episode, we thing. need you the entire podcast. Yes. But how am I going to talk like you too? <laughs> Just practice your hay, right. your sweet tea, and your bless your heart. And uh-huh. honey. And honey. And honey. Cannot, That's right. You cannot. That's right. I have learned you know, Tennessee I think that I don't people, say the right I think way. for the people who wince at how Southern our vernacular yeah. is, you will be a great balm to <laughs> yes. their wounds. So, Some so please, yeah. please talk like you did not grow up in a barn. That Absolutely. would be great. Absolutely. Well, 
I'm completely, Lisa and Dr. Howard, I am so nerding out today because this is a topic that has long fascinated me, and we're going to dive really deeply into it. And, but as we talk about theophanies, Lisa, you've got a bit of a funny story. I'm going to ask you to take us yeah. all the way back to a camp experience where we talk about Camp experience, yeah. We were at a dude ranch this past weekend with Missy, and it had kind of that youth camp atmosphere, and I just loved it. But anyway, I spent every summer in camp. And the camp I went to most often was called Lake Swan Camp in Central Florida, a faith-based camp. All okay. different church groups used it. We had skiing and, you know, athletic activities, and you'd have Bible teaching in the morning and, and preaching and devotions every night. It was incredible. A lot of kids came to Christ at that camp. Anyway, one afternoon at camp when I was about 12, we had free time. And normally I'd be with all my buddies skiing or canoeing or sailing. But this particular day, I don't really remember what prompted me to go be apart by myself, okay. like some little, you know, wannabe C.S. Lewis. <laughs> but for whatever reason, that afternoon I was being very contemplative. And I went up to the front of the camp property where there are these basketball courts. And all the kids were at the lake. I was by myself. And I was shooting free throws. And I just remember I was, I was in a real serious state of mind. I don't okay. remember why. But as I'm shooting these three free throws, I heard from way above me, Lisa, this is God speaking. (laughs) And it was so stunning, this deep, resonant voice that I fell to my knees on the Mm. basketball court. And I didn't know what to do. You know, just for a moment, I was yeah. so stunned. You know, camp has that elevated oh, emotive atmosphere. You have these yeah. amazing Mountain worship. Everything. Yeah, very. Yeah. So I was already probably pretty heightened emotionally. And I fell to my knees. And the only thing I could think to say was, yes, sir. And then I heard this <laughs> guffaw. And I look up, and it's my friend Jenny Bishop. And somehow she has scaled this live oak tree that went over the basketball court that was so high, (laughs) I didn't even notice there was a branch over the court. It had to be 20 feet above me. I don't know how she got up there. And she just thought it would be like the greatest prank of camp to convince me that God was speaking to me. And for a moment, I was convinced. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was like every cell in my body stood at attention for those two or three seconds that I thought God himself was speaking audibly to me. So I had a faux often. I it was still, it was still very, so it marked me. It was a faux-ophany. I can't even imagine a real right. theophany because I was filleted by a faux-ophany. Well, and you're you're flat on your face, and that yeah. totally correlates to what we see in the Scripture when God right. shows up, right? People right. fall on their face. They fall down like dead people. And right. so you had right. just a taste of oh, yeah. the real thing. Yeah. And so today what we're going to do is kind of take a little bit of a walking tour, would you say, Good. through some Good. of the theophanies of Scripture. And I I just want to kick it off with one that is your absolute favorite, not faux-ophany, but real a deal theophany. theophany. Would you take Allie, us would there? you give him first the definition yeah, of a absolutely. theophany? It's pretty simple. It's just a visible appearance of God to humans. There are various forms, and it's obviously recorded in the pages of Scripture for okay. us. Okay. Anything to add on that description? No, Doctor? I'm just sitting here laughing at the two of you. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of coffee <laughs> which and estrogen is, energy. Which is pretty much yeah. always yeah. backwards theology. You're laughing at us. Faux theophany. Faux theophany. Yeah. Uh, we should like add a faux hawk. You know? So we add that to our theological lexicon. That's right. That's right. My favorite theophany 
again, it's that physical manifestation mm-hmm. of God where he reveals himself to us in a form that mere humans can understand takes place in, it's the same story. Okay. It's uh, Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. In Genesis 12, that's where uh, before Abraham has the second half of his name, when he's just Abram, uh, Genesis 12, uh, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, Mm -hmm. and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Most of, of our listeners probably remember that Abram was old when he got this incredible promise from God. Mm-hmm. So basically, and a very non-biblical commentary, God said, Abram, I know you're wearing Depends, but I'm going to have you and Sarah go to Costco and load up on Pampers, mm-hmm. because even though it doesn't make sense, you are going to have so many kids, I'm going to populate the earth. Wow. With your children, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you a 360-degree blessing. Mm -hmm. So not only am I going to bless you to your face, but if people don't bless you who live around you, I'm going to curse them. So if somebody doesn't let you merge on the interstate when you're trying to merge on the interstate, I'm going to give them a flat tire. I mean, it's a a huge comment. I'm taking just a little bit of liberty with Hebrew here, Dr. (laughs) Howard, but it's a huge 360 degrees. Some Old Testament scholars say it is the most comprehensive blessing in a holy writ, but God himself speaks it to Abram. I always imagine what God's voice sounds like. Do you ever imagine what it— I do. I think it sounds like the guy in the Allstate commercial. Uh, You have that real low, deep voice. I mean, God can use any voice he wants. But then same story, you know, the only caveat he gave Abram and Sarai there in chapter 12 is, you just have to leave Ur. Mm. To get this blessing, Mm. you just have to leave the land where you're comfortable, where Sarah's got a thriving essential oils business, where you've you're you're really you know entrenched. You've got roots here. You've got to leave this place, go to a new place. I'm not going to tell you where it is. You're going to have to trust me. And so that's what he does. He picks up. He leaves Ur. Chapter 15 picks up on the second part of this story with my favorite Theophanies. Which mm. is a few years later now. A few yeah. years later. Um, I've read that some scholars think it may be up to 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And so the whole time, I imagine Sarah going, when are we going to get the promise? the promise? Yeah. I mean, you made me leave everything yeah. I loved, and we're in this new place. Yeah. I don't have the depth of friendship here. Right. We're not respected here the way we were in Ur. I mean, I left everything, and God yeah. didn't hold up his end of the bargain, right? which is exactly where they get to yeah. emotionally. Think about what happens, I mean, in our life today. Uh-huh. We have God's Word, so we can commune with God right. every day. Yeah. And he didn't have that. Yeah. He, he had to wait. Yeah. He had that one yes. encounter with God. And I would bet, and I'm saying this just based on my own life experience, I've had moments when I've never heard God's audible voice, but where God has spoken oh, to me yeah. unmistakably yeah. through His Word, through His Spirit, But then if a lot of time passes, I find myself going, was I just emotive? Yeah, Yeah, did I really? Really Was was he being literal? Was that just figurative? Or was the pastor just really compelling? Right. That's essentially where Abram is in chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. 
But Abram said, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. You can hear the mm-hmm. disappointment yeah. there. You told me you yeah. would give Sarah and I kids. Yep. You told me, even though we were taking Metamucil, we would need to buy boatloads right. of pampers. It hasn't mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. yet. I must have misheard you. How long, oh Lord? How, how long? long? How yeah. long? You must mean that some guy that's under my my authority, some guy I've hired. Maybe that's what mm-hmm. you meant. Maybe you were speaking to my house, to so my to household, not yeah. just to me personally. Yeah, he says you have given me no children. Yeah. That's right. I just picture God up there just chuckling. I know, yeah. just, just kind of smiling. Higgins, we are so incredibly <laughs> myopic. Yeah. He says, Behold, you have given me no no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. In other words, Abe, I don't stutter. Verse Mm. 5, And God brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord. He's still Abram there, actually. And Abram believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Verse 6 of Genesis 15 is why Mm -hmm. Abram is listed in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Mm -hmm. That one little place where he's faithful. But if you read a few verses later— And Romans and Galatians. Yes, Romans and Galatians. But he's not faithful for very long. It says he believed the Lord, but then by the time you get just one verse below, verse 8, but he said, oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Mm. And it's like, oh, he's just like us. He He's just not able to hang on to faithfulness for that yeah. long without concrete yeah. proof. It's sand in his hands that God right is faithful. Now. It yeah. is. It's like and when Allison so, tells me that she loves me and I say, prove it. Yeah, prove it. <laughs> Prove it. Exactly. That's Prove right. it. Prove it. I need I need a mocha. I need some <laughs> chips right. and queso. I need, time need a big old bear you. hug. Yeah. And you would think that God would chastise Abram there for not being faithful, but instead he says, Bring me some animals and cut those animals in half. Mm. And Abram doesn't balk at something that to our modern ears sounds barbaric because he knows exactly what God is asking, right. because this is pre-literate culture. Mm. They didn't have written legal agreements. And one of the most binding agreements they had was symbolized. It was called the blood covenant. And Abram, when God says, I want you to get some animals, Mm. cut them in half, go to Home Depot or Lowe's, get a rototiller, dig a deep trench, effectively, Mm -hmm. let the blood of those animals that have been cut in half drain in the the trench. Abram's like, oh, I know what we're doing here. This is blood covenant. We're going to make a binding agreement. And so Abram does that. And then according to their culture, if you had a blood covenant, it was used sometimes when you had a marriage between two clans. And what would happen, let's just say, let's just say, Allie, you have an older brother named Harry, Mm -hmm. and Harry and I fall in love. That means your dad, Mr. Metcalf, and my dad, Mr. Harper, would get together. They'd bring animals from both of their flocks. They'd cut them in half, create a blood trench. Mm -hmm. And then your dad, Mr. Metcalf, would walk through the blood. Mm -hmm. My dad, Mr. Harper, walked through the blood. When they got to the other end, they would make an agreement, a vow, saying if the covenant, this marriage covenant between our clans, between Harry, your mm-hmm. your make-believe older brother, yep. and Lisa is broken, then may what was done to these animals be done to us. It's the real deal blood brothers. Yeah, very yeah. sobering, yeah. serious yeah. promise. Yeah. Or maybe even a little bit more specific, 
if I break the covenant, mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen exactly. to me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they look each other and that. Right. Yeah. All the terms very, are laid out. Very, right very serious. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Tim Keller, you know, our yep. pretend boyfriend. Our Dr. Keller adds another caveat, and he says that during this ancient culture, if you had a blood covenant between royalty and a commoner, Mm -hmm. the royalty, let's just say hypothetically your dad is King Metcalf, and I'm marrying Prince Harry. You see what I did there? That was was spicy. Then your your dad, the king, wouldn't have to pass through. Only my dad, Mm -hmm. the commoner, would have to pass through the blood. And so what happens next in the story is stunning Mm -hmm. because Abram doesn't pass through the blood. He's making an agreement with the creator of the universe, and the creator of the universe, our God, through theophonic form. Mm -hmm. There's a representation of God himself through a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. He passes between the pieces saying, when the covenant between me and thee, representing humanity, is severed, I'll pay the price Wow. In blood, that that's Jesus. We talk about shadow and substance. Yeah. He's talking about Jesus yeah. in Genesis 15. It's the foreshadowing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that story, beginning in Genesis 12, culminating just that part of the story in Genesis 15, that is what scholars, correct me on this, Dr. Howard, but what I've heard scholars call the law of first mention with regards to theophanies, because that's the first use of theophanies we see in biblical narrative. Would you agree with that? I would, and you can even take it one step further. Okay. Uh, when God walks between them, what he's saying is, if I break the covenant, mm. I will be like these animals. Mm. So knowledge you're taking responsibility if wow. the covenant is broken, right. but he's taking responsibility for his own person mm. if wow. I break the covenant. Mm. So when you see this unfold down through Scripture in Exodus 24, when Moses lays out the initial covenant in Exodus 19 at, at Sinai, right. and 24, all the people say, all that God has said we will do. Right. And then he sacrifices an animal, sprinkles them with blood, and said, this right. is the blood of the covenant. Right. And then in Matthew, Jesus said at the Last Supper, this is my blood of the covenant. Mm. So Hebrews can take it one step further and say, just like in Exodus, we've all been sprinkled clean by Jesus' blood of the covenant, which is poured out for forgiveness. So it starts right here. Yeah, I love that God, and this is a very pedantic way to put it, but I love that God puts the cookies on the lower shelf, Mm -hmm. that God reveals his faithfulness, that he will mend the gap between us. He reveals that in a way that Abraham can get it. Abraham's like, oh, I I know exactly what we're doing. We're we're doing a covenant. We're making a promise. I can't imagine his what went through old Abraham's heart when he saw that representation of God pass between the pieces. Do you think, Dr. Howard, he knew Abram— and I know this is conjecture, but do you think he knew definitively that represented God? That Abram knew? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, he's using, once again, we've talked about this in other podcasts, he's using a common mm-hmm. cultural pattern. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be an earlier example when you have Jesus walking. Well, I shouldn't say Jesus. It says God is walking mm-hmm. with um, Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm-hmm. And there you have the first blood sacrifice because he had to take an animal's right. life to clothe them. Cover with them. skins. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. So uh, it says he so was walking in the really garden. that would really be the first theophany. And it would be not, Genesis 3, right? Yeah. It would. I think of it more as a Christophany. Yeah. 
where it's Christ pre-incarnate walking yeah. with them in the garden. Would you clarify the difference between, because those of you that are listening, we don't want to make this too granular yeah. where it gets confusing, but theophany is kind of the big mm-hmm. definition of when God reveals himself it's in a, a form statement. That, yeah. that a human yeah. could, could see him. And Christophany would almost be a subset of theophany. Will you explain the difference between a, a theophany and a Christophany? Sure. My understanding is that a Christophany is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And I think we're going to go through some of these. Yes, sir. Because John is pretty clear that no one has seen God at any time except through the Son. So when you when you hear sounds appearing and God speaking through uh-huh. natural things, uh, right. then that's God the Father probably talking. Right. And then in the garden. Like the burning bush. Like Moses. the burning bush. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to, uh, when you look at the Theophanies and the Christophanies, um, it doesn't really matter how we dice it, right? Because they both say the same thing: that God is loves us so much that He loves to appear in our mm-hmm. lives. Yeah. He just loves that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I, as we said in other podcasts, I love going back to the fruit of the spirit because that's a clear definition of who mm-hmm. God is. Yeah. His love is joy. Yeah. He loves to appear. Yeah. So I was talking to a teenager recently. I love all of our teenagers, but this one's especially <laughs> cute. And she was talking about a friend of hers who has, honestly, a different lifestyle. It doesn't matter what it was. Right. And she was puzzling over, what do, how do I respond to this person? And it was curious to me that the question was in, was revolving around the differences in our beliefs mm-hmm. and right. lifestyle, and which kind of misses the point, I mm-hmm. think. And I said, so, all right, Moses is at the burning bush, and he looks over and sees it. And then he walks over, and God says, take off your sandals. You're uh, standing on holy ground. What makes that ground holy, but the grand ground 20 feet away is not holy? It's the presence of God. Yeah. Right. And I said, so right. your friend doesn't know it, but when you walk up to your friend and you put your arm around her because you have the indwelling spirit of God, she is being enveloped mm-hmm. by God's presence. And she's standing on holy ground and doesn't even know it. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, so I said, so it doesn't matter what your friend is doing. What's most important is that you're bringing the presence of God into mm-hmm. her life. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that makes me think of Hagar mm-hmm. in, in Genesis 16, where mm-hmm. she's running away, and it says she's in the wilderness by a spring. Yes. And then the angel of the Lord shows up. Shows up. Shows up. And she actually winds up naming the angel of the Lord or the voice that speaks to her, El Roe, right. I've seen the God right. who sees me. So in this yes. desperate circumstance and situation when she's not expecting it. She's in the desert. And I'm sure mm-hmm. there are people listening right now who goes, how does all this theophany, Christophany right. relate to me? to me? I'm in the desert. I'm hurting. I've I've been in a familial situation mm-hmm. that is breaking my heart like Hagar. Mm-hmm. And you're running away. I mean, scholars mm-hmm. think she's headed back to Egypt, perhaps. Right. And God right. himself encounters her mm-hmm. in the form of the angel of the right. Lord. So we see some of this theophany, Christophany language the right there. Isn't that is beautiful? divine compassion. It is. That's yeah. a comment. Right. Abram is yeah. doubting. Yeah. Do you really see yeah. me? Do you, yeah. Are you really going to help yeah. me here? Hagar yes. is, I've got nobody to take care yeah. of me anymore. Yeah. I've got me and this little boy, yeah. and I'm abandoned. And you see God compassionately. Yes making himself known yeah. 
sometimes even to people who are so preoccupied with the difficulty of their own yeah. life, they aren't looking. Yeah. It's yeah. not like they're yeah. at an altar travailing, God, yeah. show me yourself. They're running away. They're running away. I yeah. love this kind of speaking of it. Will you go to Genesis 32? Because I know Hi. that's one of your favorite theophanies, speaking of one who's running away. Yeah. While, while you're looking that up, yeah. what you just said about uh, God's presence coming into our life. Mm -hmm. If you start cataloging all the times God appears to his children, mm -hmm. you begin to see things like awe, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, sometimes compassion. Yes. It's always it's always there, but the part that they see, yes. sometimes confidence. You mean uh -huh. we can do this? Yeah. Uh -huh. Sometimes, but it's always, again, back to the fruit of the Spirit, it always right. demonstrates yeah. love and patience right. and everything. Right. right. Well, today we live in it in a constant, continuing theophonic lifestyle because of God's that. presence with us. Yes, I love that. He's with us all the time. We just, mm, yeah. we, we're like the authors, I mean, the, like the characters here, we don't always see it, yeah. mm -hmm. but it's there. It's yeah. there. It's there. He's always there yeah. demonstrating that love, that compassion, that peace, that the yeah. joy bringing it to us. Yes, it's kind of like Mother Teresa said she would she would see Jesus in all his distressing disguises mm -hmm. in the people that she served. Yeah. And I feel like we in the scripture, especially in the Old Testament, see him not in distressing disguises, right. but a bit covered, a bit veiled. Right. And I think right. the same thing happens to one of my favorite patriarchs, the third <laughs> one, is Jacob in Genesis mm -hmm. 32. And in previous episodes, we've talked a bit about yeah. the story and the exchanging of the name. But just to give a, a quick, just a nutshell uh, truncation, if I may, of the story, Jacob has been a stinker, to borrow one of yeah. your words, yeah. all his life. He's a manipulator. Mm -hmm. And in the story, he has stolen from his brother Esau. He puts mm -hmm. hair on and he deepens his voice. He's kind of the prototypical actor of Scripture. I like to think of him that way mm -hmm. anyway. And he's taken what is not his. Years later, through a lot of circumstances and seasons, they uh, Jacob gets word that Esau's coming for him. Mm -hmm. And of course, Jacob thinks he's coming for the pound of flesh. I mean, what else can you think? Right. And so there's this, this experience where I want to read it, if I may. It's it's kind of short, but he sure. has this experience sure. at night with this mysterious man, and we'll talk about that mysterious man in just a moment. But it says this in Genesis 32, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him all night until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat Jacob, he struck Jacob's hip socket and they, as they wrestled, and he dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, so interesting, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob. It will be Israel because you've struggled with God and with men and you've prevailed. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered this mysterious man, why do you ask my name? And he blessed Jacob there. Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, he said, and yet my life has been spared. The sun shone on him as he passed by Penuel, limping because of his hip. That is why still today the Israels don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket, because he, the man, struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. This, I have been fascinated with this <laughs> passage of Scripture for so many years. One of the things that's um, curious to me. And Dr. Howard, Lisa, I would love to hear your thoughts if you, you have any on this particular theophany here. One of the things, of course, we see this mysterious man blessing him, 
okay? We see this mysterious man changing his name. And then when we see Jacob basically saying, I'm going to have to rename this place. What has happened is so significant. The encounter with this mysterious man is so significant. I have to name it Peniel, for I've seen the face of God, and basically I have been spared. One of the things that's curious to me is when he asks the man his name, this mysterious angel man, Theophany here, his name, the man says, why do you ask my name? And then he blesses Jacob. Dr. Howard, do you have any thoughts about why this mysterious man does not give Jacob his name? Because I know that the giving of the name is really, really, really critical in Scripture. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, this, this actually is a tough passage. Yeah. Um, and as you can imagine, there's a lot of controversy. When you get over into Exodus 3, when he finally reveals his name, he gives maybe a hint there when he says, by my name, Yahweh, I did not reveal myself. Mm. Even though the Genesis account is giving us the historical perspective and clearly telling us that God, using his name, is appearing with the patriarchs. But uh, Exodus seems to hint at, as he's revealing himself slowly through history, he wants it to be, he's highlighting different things. So here yeah. he's wanting to, to know that you, I allowed you to wrestle with me, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a blessing. Yes. But it's not until later on when he's getting ready to deliver them that the personal aspect of who he is begins to be seen. Yes. Hey, 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 Back Porchers, here at BPT for 2024. We're calling it the year of giving yourself away. And I want you to know about a woman who did just that. She changed the world by giving herself away. Her name is Francesca Cabrini. She was an Italian-born Roman Catholic missionary who used her super strong will and God's calling in her life to defy odds and build an empire of hope, hope that led her to eventually establishing schools and orphanages and hospitals, not only throughout the United States, but throughout the world all of which was to support immigrants and marginalized communities, the the least of these. I watched her movie, and y'all, it was such an inspiration to how we can all better give ourselves away. The film is called Cabrini, and it's now playing in theaters. Man, I'd strongly encourage you to go see this movie and bring a box of tissues You can log on to angel.com forward slash Cabrini for info about when and where it's playing in your area. And of course, that link, angel.com forward slash Cabrini, that's also in today's show notes. It's really stunning that God would allow himself to wrestle all night long with Mm -hmm. a man. And I think, Lisa, it goes back to your point, the touchability, Mm -hmm. the nearness, the accessibility accessibility of Mm -hmm. our God to deign to appear to Jacob and Mm -hmm. to us in these distressing or Mm awe-inspiring disguises. I I think the name change, which we won't reiterate, we've talked about it in in an Mm -hmm. episode past, but for me, it, it seems as if this theophonic appearance is really the essence of repentance. It's like, Jacob, you and I are finally going to deal with the thing that's been mm-hmm. running your show mm-hmm. all these years, mm-hmm. and we're going to have this exchange. And so I know you mentioned, Dr. Howard, that God is doing so many things mm-hmm. in all these different theophanies, 
but here mm. we uniquely see him coming to Jacob yeah. in his pain, yeah. in and his sin. Would, yeah. yeah. And why would why would he ask him his name? I know it's very curious. If you think about the yeah. this time in world history, you look at all the uh, other ancient nations. Yeah. Uh, the gods, which we now know were not real, but they didn't know that. Yeah. The mm-hmm. gods would never tell them their name, mm-hmm. and so they had to, they had all kinds of divination practices to discern the will of the gods. And yeah. They had to name the gods because mm-hmm. the gods wouldn't tell them, and so he has just had an encounter yeah. with a god who ends up being the god, mm-hmm. and now he really says, "What's your name? Who right. are you?" Mm-hmm. It's very similar to Paul at uh, Mars Hill. When he walks mm-hmm. down Athens, walks down the forum, he says, I can tell you, you are all very spiritual. Yeah. You have the, all these gods. The unnamed right. God. But the yeah. unnamed God. That's, yeah. I know that God. And yeah. they're going, wait, who is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good, Dr. Howard. So Love good. that you bring up that you really highlight, Allie, that he comes in our pain. Oftentimes, the theophanies you see in biblical narrative, it's not that the people are on a mountaintop in, right. in a place <laughs> of uh, a chapter of great faithfulness. Sure. And their story Oftentimes, it's they are struggling. Yes. I have never heard God's audible voice. I have friends who believe they have, but I have heard his voice so loud mm-hmm. in yes. my heart and yes. mind. And the loudest I've ever heard God was at the lowest point in my life mm-hmm. about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And God said to me, I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday, as clear as a bell. Yeah. He said, Lisa, you've been running scared your whole life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to take you to the basement where you're terrified, and I'm going to sit there with you in the dark until fear doesn't own you anymore. Whoa. And he he may as well have been in my little kitchen yeah, when he said that to me. It was so unmistakably God. It was the lowest point of mm. my life, but he did exactly that. Mm-hmm. He sat with me and the things I'd been running mm-hmm. scared from, some just some abuse, some other things that I just mm-hmm. really drove me because I was afraid. Yeah. I was always afraid. Yeah. He sat with me. I think, how kind of God I had somebody mm-hmm. say to me recently, well, I've never had an experience like that. I must not be as spiritual mm-hmm. as you. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I don't think you were as needy. Mm-hmm. I, I was so needy. And I think that's the compassion of God in these mm-hmm. theophanies. More often than not, you see that he makes the veil thin when his people are greatest need just about yeah. to collapse. Yeah. And he reveals himself in, in a little more tangible way so that they'll go, oh, he is the Lord. He is, he the, is, Lord. The, he Lord. is the Lord. I I've seen him face to face and I yeah. have lived. Now we think mm-hmm. about one of the earlier podcasts, the kindness of God leads to repentance. Right. And God has decided this is the appropriate time just before he meets his brother to deal with that problem. Yeah. To bring him to repentance. To bring him to repentance. Yeah. It doesn't always happen back to back yeah. to back. Yes. Um, yes. God chooses when to, as you said, you're more needy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have that same experience. Mm-hmm. And he chooses the time yeah. to step in yeah. when our hearts are ready. Yeah. Oh, I think if it. if he dealt with all our brokenness and sin in one fell swoop, I think we would fall apart. Yeah. And I think the healing, like Lisa, when you said, hey, you've been running all your life, God mm-hmm. in that moment, mm-hmm. not in a, a physical theophany, but almost a spiritual theophany, right. if we can say it that way, broke right. into space and time and said, now, right. now Lisa is right. the moment. And I see him doing that with and Jacob. I wonder how, now is the moment. Right. And I wonder how many of our back porchers are yeah. wrestling with guilt wrestling. over something that has happened mm-hmm. previously. Yeah. And it's the kindness of God not to deal with that right away. Right. 
but right. to give you a chance to... Yeah. Little by little, little, layer by layer. As a pastor, one of the things I deal yeah. with in the church is people that come to me that have struggled with sin, some of them for decades. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they come to talk tells me that God is ready to deal with it. So yeah. I, I mentioned the story a minute ago of my one of my teenagers, who you know right. I love all yeah. of them. When that happens to me, I'm not a theophany. I don't want you to hear that. But at that point in time, I am God to them because I'm stepping into their life because they're hurting so deeply. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit comes with me. And the two of us are now in mm-hmm. a booth at a restaurant or wherever we are, mm-hmm. a coffee shop, sitting in God's presence. Mm-hmm. And You're a conduit. And one of the common the things I hear from God. them is, I've done X and yeah. I'm so unhappy and tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear that phraseology often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Running all their lives. Running all their lives. And yeah. I don't like know Jacob. what he was yeah. thinking so much, yeah. but it's significant that it's right before chapter 33 where he meets Esau. Yeah. They come back right. together. God yeah. said it's time right. to deal with this. Yeah, right. So there can be forgiveness and there some kind of reconciliation, reconciliation. Yes. between right. you and your brother. Well, speaking of uh, the pain, the places we struggle, repentance, there's another theophany I'd love mm. for us to chat about just sure. as, for a second because you mentioned it in the introduction, and it's one of the most interesting ones to me. It's in the book of Daniel, mm-hmm. where oh. God's kids, yeah, kids find themselves in the fire. Yeah. And somebody listening today may be saying, yeah, I'm not at the place of having to deal with something that's from my past, or I've, right. I'm, I'm needing you to wrestle with me over this right. issue of repentance. But Lord, I'm in the fire. Right. I'm not sure I'm going to I'm not sure I'm going to survive this, this yeah. right? I'm just going to set just a, a quick yeah, little Daniel, stage. Daniel yeah. chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, and the kids of Israel are in exile. Yeah. They're under this wily king, Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, you've heard of the three men in the furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But let me read just a little bit okay. and talk about this interesting possible theophany and see what you guys think about it. Okay. So they've thrown the three kids of Israel into the furnace. This is a, actually quite a long portion of Scripture. Daniel's, yeah. Daniel's homeboys. Daniel's homeboys. But I'm going to pick it up here, <laughs> uh, chapter 3, verse 24. Remember, they are already thrown into this furnace that has been doubly and trebly heated up. And then it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, uh, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, Your Majesty, they replied to the king. Well, he exclaimed, look, I see four men Hmm. not tied, I love that, (laughs) walking around in the fire unharmed, Mm -hmm. and the fourth one looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When all the people gathered around, they saw, I love this, y'all, they saw that the fire had no effect on Mm -hmm. the bodies of these men. Not a Mm -hmm. hair of their heads was singed. Mm -hmm. Their robes were unaffected, Mm -hmm. and there was no smell of fire on them. And then here's the outflow of this incredible encounter. Nebuchadnezzar exclaims, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel, and mm-hmm. rescued his servants who trusted in him. We got a fourth man oh, walking. The fourth man, we got baby. A fourth fourth man. Man. I walking. love the fourth man. Yeah. Exegete, Dr. Howard. Exegete. Yeah. Help us. Wow. I mean, the story itself has such a high wow factor. It does. Uh, it does. I, I love the whole intro when he confronts them and says, you're not bowing down to my gods. 
Mm-hmm. And they said, we have, in verse 16, we have no need to defend ourselves before you mm-hmm. in this matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's what— And they were young men, weren't and they? They were young men. Down? If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us mm-hmm. from it, and he will deliver us. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Yeah. I mean, it's so visceral when you read mm-hmm, the story. Mm-hmm. That it's like the fire's crackling, yes. right? Yeah. And, and they're standing there. I think they had to just be grinning from ear to ear. Yeah. Watching. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. One way or another, our God is coming through. We yeah. have a. I, I've thought of this story recently yeah. because I had a. I live out in the boonies, you know. And we've yeah. we've got five acres and we've always got down trees, and we had a big storm come through, and so I had just tons and tons and tons of wood that needed to be burned. Right. And so we were going to burn just this huge bonfire. I'm, you know, love big bonfires. And I had the hose out, and I'd called the fire department. I'd done everything I thought I needed to do to prepare for what I thought was going to be a pretty big blaze. I didn't realize how big it would be. And when we lit that blaze, I had some Adirondack chairs that were made. You know the Adirondack chairs that aren't wood? They're made of, like, pressed plastic. They're real heavy. It completely curved my Adirondack chairs. It melted. Because yeah, they, yeah. they didn't get touched by the fire, but mm. next to that big yeah. heat, yeah. it melted yeah. the plastic. Yeah. And when I was standing there, because I was really kind of bugged because they were a little pricey, I was yeah. like, I cannot believe. I yeah. just, it These looks, I mean, you can barely sit yeah. in them anymore. Yeah. They're just like capital C's. Yeah. But I thought, oh my goodness, that's what Daniel 3 is talking about. Yeah. When yeah. Nebuchadnezzar keeps saying, Heating get it, it hotter, get it yeah. hotter, get it hotter, get it yeah. hotter. And even the guards who took these three boys they, down, they died. They croaked. Because yeah. of the heat adjacent yeah. to the fire. Yes. And yet these three come out not even smelling like smoke because of the fourth man. The fourth man walking. Because and of that yeah. Christophany, yes. right, Dr. Howard? Well, yes. the CS Study Bible says right here, it says, the king saw in the furnace a fourth figure who looked like a son of the gods, this may have been an angel or even a pre-incarnate appearance yes. of God the Son. Of God himself. Which I find so fascinating. Yeah. They're unbound, right. they're unsinged, and they come out from the fire yeah. not even smelling like smoke. You know, when you study all these, you look at yeah. uh, Isaiah 6. Yes. Okay. That was yeah. Isaiah, right? Yeah, yeah good. And yeah. Um, he sees and he, feel, he describes this incredible courtroom scene or the throne room. Mm-hmm. And then John 12 tells us that he— saw Jesus. That's Mm. who he was looking at. Mm. Then you look at Ezekiel, the beginning, the most incredible vision to me. I can't understand how it could even work. And a little tiny verse at the very end, and there's one like a son of man up on top Mm. standing there. Goodness. Wait a minute. Let's read that, Dr. Howard, because that is one of those obscure theophanies that I think is so interesting. Okay, so this is the first chapter of Ezekiel, y'all, and we're going to go all the way down to verse 26 because it's a really long vision God gives Ezekiel. But remember is that they they have already been exiled. That's, That's chapter right. one. So they've That's already right. been kicked out of their yeah, own homeland. They are homeland. kicked out of their homeland. Yeah. They're, they're basically exiles. Incredible vision that God's giving him hope. Mm-hmm. To, that I was going to say, he's just wind in their sails. Listen to this. And above the expanse, over their heads, there was a likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human 
appearance. Right. The NIV says a upward, figure like that of a man. A figure mm. like that of a man. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. Mm. And there was a brightness mm. around him. Hmm. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. It sounds so much like Revelation, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. I love that, the little man on top of the wheel. <laughs> if I could have one impact, if God said, you, you get to have one impact in your church, what would you like? I already know he's going to reveal himself. I don't have to ask for that but that they would come to realize as Christians that we carry this very God Mm. indwelling us. And when I walk into anyone's life, this is what's happening Mm. right here. I I picture the judgment seat of Christ. I don't think it's about punishment. Mm -hmm. I think uh, 1 John 4 Mm-hmm. Perfect love casts out fear because yeah. fear has to do with punishment. Right. So, Lisa, I picture this. I'm going to be sitting with you on that that day. When Lee, he says, okay, Lisa, I want to show you something. I want you to look at this 30-second video clip. What do you see? And you're going to say, oh, that's the airport in Atlanta. And he says, right. Now, you see that man that you turned to right there in line? You guys were in line to get a, something at a store. Yeah. And you were kind to him, and then you walked off and caught your flight. Yeah. My presence, because of you— Soften his heart. You don't even know his name. The next person he met was a Christian, but because his heart was soft, he was ready to hear about Christ. Yes. And how many of these, yeah. in, we really don't believe, yeah. it's mm-hmm. hard for us to yeah. believe, myself mm-hmm. included, yeah. that, that we really I carry are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, this God yes, yes. right here right. with me everywhere I go. Yeah. And I just wonder what it's going to be like when God gets to show us. Let me show you all the ways that I touched people all around you because of your kindness, because I was with you. Right. Right. So I now picture, just like Moses, when I walk up to strangers, I just picture they're standing on holy ground. They don't even know it. Mm. I think that's why Paul could argue in a a spouse with an unbelieving spouse that you're bringing sanctification into their world. Yeah. Yeah. That's what a theophany does. Mm. God erupts into my life mm-hmm. with kindness and joy and power. And mm-hmm. we can't always see the power, but it's still there. Right. The same power that raised right. Jesus, the same spirit yeah. that raised Jesus from the dead is right Dwells here. bodily. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. What do you think? You just said it, but I want you to, if you don't mind, to re-say it. For the people who are driving their kids to school or driving a child to a hospital visit, Mm. the people who are leaning and listening going, what does a theophany, which sounds almost like an obscure theological term, what does a theophany or a Christophany have to do Mm -hmm. with me keeping my head up and putting one foot in front of the other because I'm struggling this week? Well, the beginning of that is a theological concept Mm-hmm. called the hypostatic union. Yes. Theologians are very good at coming up with technical language, and that's needed mm-hmm. because it communicates so much information in a short, pithy statement. Right. Fully God, fully human, right. united in one body forever. That's the hypostatic right. union. But what does that really mean? Mm. God loves us so much that he came to us in the form of his son to live with us 
forever. Mm. And so all these examples throughout the Old Testament of theophanies and Christophanies is a picture of our everyday life. Mm -hmm. First of all, we get to enjoy God's presence Mm 24-7. So I'm thinking of a you know, we've talked about the mom driving in an SUV with the three kids in the back yeah, yeah. and the stresses of yeah. getting them to soccer games right. and, yeah. you know, one's got a cold. And, yep. I mean, you know, your moms, you know what that's yeah. like. Right. Yeah. And yet somebody cuts her off on the highway. Now she has a choice. Is she going to show road rage and flip them <laughs> off or is she going to slow down and flip the lights and wave them in? Yeah. Who knows what that other person is going through that that one moment of kindness causes them to just pause mm-hmm. and say, well, there's a nice person. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, in my own state, I, I've lived there 42 years, and I'm just astounded at how mean it has become. Mm. And so to show kindness mm-hmm. when they don't expect it yes. surprises many of them. Yes. Right. They roll down the window and wave their hand out the window. You know, yes. it's yeah. like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when we see all these Glimpses all throughout the, especially the Older Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, those are what we experience every day, all day long, because God's presence yes. is with us. Because yes. of Christ in us. Yeah. Christ in us. Yes. 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 Dr. Ed, we have never done this before, but I just sense that there are some people, by the way, we don't ever want to miss the chance to thank y'all mm-hmm. for yes. joining us on the proverbial porch. We know you've got a million things to do. And the fact that you choose to join us on this podcast just still yeah. overwhelms us with gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being part of this community. Uh, we, we talk mm-hmm. often about how, what a treat it is that mm-hmm. we get to meet a few of you face to face when we travel. Our, our hope is to meet a lot more of you, but Based on some of the stories the three of us have gotten, some of you have been introduced to the podcast and you don't yet know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And maybe just maybe even listening today, you thought, I wish I had an encounter with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe the whole point of today's podcast is that it would pique your curiosity, Mm -hmm. just like you were saying, Dr. Howard, and you would begin to recognize I am standing on holy ground. God loves me. So I'm going to ask Dr. Howard, who's he's a scholar, he's he's my professor, uh, my spiritual mentor at Denver Seminary, but he's also a pastor, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most tenderhearted pastors I've ever had the privilege of being with. So I'm going to ask our friend, Dr. Howard, to lead us, and sometimes you'll hear it called a sinner's prayer, which mm-hmm. sounds kind of religious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All this is, is a, it's a practical application of a promise in the New Testament where where God says that if you'll confess your sin, if you'll just confess your sin, recognize, man, there's some distance between me and God, and and you'll believe. You'll believe that Jesus really is Mm -hmm. the Son of God, that Jesus is proof that God loves you. He loves you so much He sent His only begotten Son to bridge the gap between us and Him. That's all this prayer is. Basically, it's just a way of saying I'm a hot mess and I need a Messiah. Jesus, I need you. And so if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. (laughs) Or if you're on the elliptical. But if you can pull over to a rest area for a second or if uh, you're in your living room and you can stop what you're doing for just a second, even if you already know Jesus, would you stop for a moment and pray for those who right now may be praying to uh, put their hope in Jesus for the first time with Dr. Howard. Lisa, I know we've all three of us have had these kinds of experiences uh, yeah. just recently. 
I had somebody contact me personally, not through social media, and this person said, I've been listening to your podcast, and last night I got on my knees and accepted Jesus. Wow. I'm not even Thank sure you, which podcast they had heard yeah. because they didn't say uh, somewhere along the way. Yeah. And that really is our hope. That's our uh, heart. Yeah. That is our heart. It's and our greatest hope. The greatest joy comes from the softest hearts. Uh-huh. So I would encourage, as we pray, I would encourage our listeners to cultivate every day a heart of softness, yeah. repentance. So let's pray. Yeah. Father, the three of us are very excited to be together to talk and laugh and share and explore some of the deeper mysteries uh, of your word, the story that you've given us. And Father, our prayer has been from the beginning that you would use our podcast to help hurting people. Mm-hmm. Wherever in the world you happen to send the podcast, that's your choice. We know that uh, we have people listening right now that are hurting deeply. Uh, I can't imagine what Jacob was feeling Mm-mm. as he's now approaching his brother and has had many years to wrestle with the the depth of the how much of a traitor and a betrayer he was to deceive him. It could never go away. He couldn't forget it. It's obvious because now he's terrified, and that's the moment you step in. And so for our people that whose faith is real that are listening, they somewhere along the way have placed their faith in Jesus. Lord, uh, what Lisa said is true. That confession brings cleansing. And so help them and help all of us, honestly, Mm-hmm. to have a clean heart, yes. a soft heart where we're willing to look at you first and then each other and say, I was wrong, mm-hmm. and I'm so sorry for that. And I pray for those that are, whatever they're doing, driving, uh, all the funny things that Lisa talks about, mm-hmm. that don't know you, but they're drawn somehow to you because of us and their friends and people around them in their world. I pray, Father, that you would help them to turn to you in faith and say, I believe. Love the Philippian jailer. What do I have to do to mm-hmm. be saved? And he said, just believe in Jesus. It's that simple. And then that turning to Jesus softens the heart so we can then say, I'm so sorry for my sin. And uh, I was wrong. Confession really does bring cleansing. Thank you for being such a generous and gracious and good God who pursues us in a very loving way. Mm. So we pray these things in your son's name, Jesus, our high priest, who's always mediating for us. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus. What a special day. Great day. Thank you, Allie. Thank you, you, Thank you, Dr. Howard. You know what song's going through my mind right now? Because I didn't expect you to say that at some level we're living in a consistent theophonic culture now because of Christ in us. I thought of that old Sunday school song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. (laughs) Uh, So back porches, let your light shine. So bright this week that others would would see Jesus. They would recognize that they're not only walking on holy ground, but they are beloved of God. Maybe you can be the Bible they never read this week. Mm -hmm. Have a great one. We will see you next week on Back Porch Theology. See you soon. See you soon. I'm so glad, so grateful 
that you chose to hang out on the porch with us today, and I hope you learned something. But knowledge about God pales next to intimacy with Jesus. So I hope you spend a whole lot more time lingering in His presence, leaning into His embrace, and listening to the lyrics of delight God promises to sing over us in Zephaniah than you do listening to podcasts. That being said, I'll be so tickled if you choose to join us again next week for Back Porch Theology. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Do you have questions about Noah's flood? If so, you don't want to miss The Ark in the Darkness in theaters near you on March 20th and 21st. If you're interested in delving deeper into the mysteries and questions surrounding Noah's flood, The Ark in the Darkness will provide thought-provoking insights from a team of scientists with answers from Answers in Genesis and Liberty University. The Ark in the Darkness reveals the truth about Noah's flood. The incredible film hits theaters on March 20th and 21st. Buy tickets now at noahsflood.com. That's noahsflood.com.